Hello, and welcome to the first episode of the Two Touch Podcast. I'm your host, Trevor Douglish, and I'm joined here by Tim Bouts. Tim, how's it going, man? Hey, you know, it was a long day of uh, classes, finished up my first final, so I'm feeling pretty good. Got a drink with me, so I'm, I'm good. Great, great. All right, so uh, what to expect out of this episode? We're going to kick it off with uh, some preview of uh, this week's matches, the English Premier League. And after that, we're going to go into a little bit of a chat about, you know, where the season stands today. And we're going to give our, proje- our predictions of who finishes top four and who gets relegated. And then we'll wrap it up with a little bit of a U.S. men's national team review. They just, they're coming off of a two-game international break, all European-based players for the most part, and uh, probably have a little bit of a venting session, a little bit of talk about the uh, the Euros uh, at the end of this this episode. All right, so without any further delay, let's, let's get it started. So the first match we got for this week is Newcastle versus Chelsea. Newcastle's at home. Uh, it's the early match on Saturday. Uh, Bones, you want to kind of start this one off? Yeah, so, you know, it's interesting. Chelsea is such a dominant offense. I think um, since coming back, his, Hakeem Zayek has, has been pretty incredible. Um, you know, he's a little bit older than some of the uh, other summer signings, but has really uh, put a stamp on the offense. Um, he did really well over, over the uh, international break with Morocco, too, so he's flying high. Uh, Christian Pulisic is you know, a week or two away from getting back. Uh, at the end of the day, I think, one, having Kepa out of the goal, which is it, – it's just much better for, for Chelsea. They're still really vulnerable in the back. Um, I, I personally, as a, as a Journey fan, which we'll get into, would rather see Antonio Rudiger in the back. I'm not sold on Thiago Silva at 36 in the Premier League. The first couple of games that he played, he made some key, key errors. So they're conceding, or they were conceding. Uh, Mendy's, I think, on his between um, domestic and international. I think he's on his um, fifth straight clean sheet. So a yeah, great start right. to to uh, his time in North London. But um, but you know, I, I'm still a little wary of, uh, about the back. They're 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 attacking. Their attack and um, you know Jorginho in the back are. Are incredibly solid. It's just about uh, shoring up, up that back line. And I, I think that Chelsea has a real chance of, of winning the league, which again we'll go into later. All right, fair. So, anything about Newcastle there or no? I honestly think that Chelsea's going to take it three nothing. Wow. Okay. So here here's my thing. Here's a little a little analysis on uh, the Newcastle here. So. Let's see. So far, they've lost to Southampton on the road. Um, I personally think Southampton's actually a pretty solid team. I think most years they're pesky, and this year I think they're they put some. Well, last year they put some things together, and and they're playing well. Um, they Newcastle actually beat a good Everton team, although they didn't have Hamas at the time uh, for that game, and I think he's really what uh, gets the team moving. Uh, they drew with Wolves, which, you know, based off last year, Wolves is a good team. This year, a little underwhelming. 
they lost to United 4-1. Uh, but to be completely honest, like that was a 1-1 match until the 86th minute. Uh, and then United poured it on. So they, they were just as much in that match. They beat Burnley, uh, not a good team. Drew with, uh, at the time, well, still is a pretty red-hot Tottenham team. So Newcastle, they're, they're, you can't just walk right over them. And uh, I'm still not convinced on Chelsea. So for me, let's see, Chelsea's, they beat the league worst. Uh, Sheffield United, they beat Burnley, they drew with United, and I think, I mean, if you really want to split hairs here, it's like, if you look at the expected goals throughout the match uh, on a timeline, you see that really towards the end, United kind of took over, and if there was going to be a, a team to win that match, it would have been United, um, but yeah. besides the point, they got the they got the result, they got the drew, they drew, they got a point from United. Um, they drew with Southampton. They beat Crystal Palace. I, I just don't see anything here that really says much about their team. And, and for me, their defense is still an issue. You were talking about it. And, yeah, they spent hundreds of millions of dollars on their offense, but their 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 offense wasn't the issue last year. Um, so I think maybe they improve – it a little bit, but it's a young team. I, I believe in all the talent they got, but there's, there's also a chemistry aspect that it just yeah. takes time. You know, you get so many new starters playing together. It takes time to click. And I, I do expect Chelsea to win this, but if Newcastle sits in a low block, like they do, and you get like St. Maximum or, or um, Callum Wilson on the, on the break, like th- those two players are good enough to take on some Chelsea players and score an individual goal. So Yeah, but you also think like so part of the issue that that Chelsea had at the beginning of the year was they were conceding goals from outside the 18 and that was almost entirely on Kepa. Yeah. Um and then you you factor in Mendy has been playing incredibly uh, inc- incredibly well um, yep. both last year in France as well as this year, the start to his his Chelsea career, he, to the best of my knowledge, he hasn't conceded from outside of the box. Um, I don't think he's conceded, uh, which I, I think bodes well for just some stability in the back for for yep. Chelsea. Yep. There, Lampard is still incredibly indecisive about his starting back four or or whatever he does with with his wing backs. Um, I, you know, I. I I'm fine with Kurt Zuma. I think he's an underrated French center back. Um, I, as I said, I, I don't really think that Thiago Silva was uh, right. a proper signing, despite him being a free a free transfer. Yep. At this stage of his his career, I don't think that Chelsea's the right team for him, particularly yep. because they had spent so much money on rebuilding, um, particularly their offense. But I mean, they're they're a youthful squad. So what's the point of bring in Tiago Silva when they already have veteran leadership in Azpilicueta. So it, it didn't really make sense to me. I will say about Newcastle that Steve Bruce comes in, starts making massive transfers um, or, you know, club, club record transfers. Um, a couple worked out like St. Maxman, a couple didn't like Joe Linton. Um, but I, I think that they, 
on any given day, they're, they're kind of like the middle of the rung, uh, like an Everton used to be prior to, I guess, this year, where they will battle any team. They're not going to, they're going to be on the fringes of, of European football. They're going to be okay, but nothing to write home about. And honestly, on a, on a week to week basis, it might be considered kind of the snoozer, uh, snoozer match of the week. Yep. But, you know, they're, they're going to press and test good teams. Um, but it's, it's unclear. And as you said, like, you know, they've got Callum Wilson going forward and then Maxman coming from the, from coming from the edges, but you never know where their goals are going to come from. Right. No, I totally agree. So, I yeah I, they have two players that can pull off amazing things. It's not going to happen often. However, I'm going to go out on a on a ledge here and say that uh, Newcastle gets the win this weekend. So you got Chelsea. I got Newcastle. Starting off spicy. Right. Starting off spicy. Okay, so uh, let's let's jump to the next match. We got uh, Aston Villa versus Brighton. Um, currently Villa is sixth in the table with a game in hand. Brighton is 16th. Um, so I'll start this one off. Uh, I think Brighton's also another kind of pesky team. Um, they beat Newcastle pretty easily. Uh, they, they drew or should have at least drawn with United. Uh, they could have easily gotten three points. It was that ridiculous game where United got rewarded a, a PK after the match was done. Uh, so uh, pretty, pretty unfortunate. They, that was the start of the season. They've, they've kind of fizzled out. Um, I think they can still kind of be dangerous, but I'm just so bought in. Aston Villa is just the most fun team to watch right now. Jack Grealish is amazing. He's, in my opinion, he's playing as the second best player in the league, just, just based on the small sample size of the season so far, right behind De Bruyne. But he's, he's well, Maybe Harry Kane's in that talk to, in that position too, but Grealish yeah. is so much fun to watch, and he's his uh his, the power of his bromance with Ross Barkley has really <laughs> brought the best out of Barkley. I mean, I've you you know Bones knows this, but I uh, I've been quite a bit of a, a Ross Barkley hater for many years. I, I've not been. I, I think you him. said he's mediocre at best, but but yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's actually I, I still stand by that. Uh, you know, just based on his performances with Chelsea and Everton, but I have to give him credit. He's been amazing this year, and and the what he and Grealish do together is amazing. And you got Ollie Watkins up top, and I think he's a legit striker. I mean, there was I, I, Bones, I believe you were telling me when the transfer happened, yeah. just didn't get it. I mean, rightfully so. Coming from the Championship, it's just really you. Ex- no one would have expected he was he would do and have the production that he has now. So um, there's really not much else to yeah. say. Um, and, go ahead. Yeah, and I I just want to say that Villa has been the surprise of the year. I think that Ross Barkley has shown creativity with the ball that he hasn't in the past. I think that he's been very vanilla going forward in the past. Um, you know, from the last match, you could see some interesting step overs, some interesting moves. Um, so I think that he's really getting integrated and having fun playing football. So he's doing great. Um, I did bag on Ollie Watkins. I'm starting to um, retract my statement, but you know this might be something that comes up later in the show. For a player who has gone through the English uh, or through the different tiers of English football, but has never played for 
um, any any level of the English national team, you always have some reservations, um, yep. and then you pay whatever it was, $25 million for him. I thought that was outlandish. I thought that that was Villa trying to make a splash, yep. trying to figure out how to stay up, and I thought that was just going to be futile. But, hey, if they continue on this track, it, you know, they could be um, – you know, middle of the pack, they could be knocking on the door of uh, Europa League. Who knows? Yep, I agree. Uh, and and one player I also want to mention that is super underrated for them is McGinn. I mean, he's, you know, you got Grealish and, and Barkley. They're, you know, I wouldn't have called Barkley flashy before this year, but both of them are very flashy. And, you know, Ollie Watkins is just a surprise of the season. But McGinn, McGinn's, I think, third in the league with assists. I think he has four assists and he's only behind. Grealish and uh, actually Harry Kane. So, uh, you know, I think he deserves a, a lot of credit too. So, um, yeah, I think uh, I won't speak for you, but I, I, I expect Villa to win this pretty easily. And the only thing that gives me a little bit of pause is uh, it, it's Aston Villa. This is a team that was that barely stayed up top last season. And, you know, they made a couple signings, but those couple signings shouldn't translate into a a top four finish. Um, and, you know, if they win, win this match uh, at the time, they'll be joint first, which is pretty remarkable. Yeah. All right. Uh, consensus there. So let's move on to the next match. And actually now definitely the biggest match of the weekend. Uh, we've got Tottenham uh, versus City. So as of today, Tottenham sitting second in the league. And Sidious actually sitting 10th uh, with a game in hand. Um, so, yeah, why don't you, you start this one off? I honestly think this is one of the biggest matches of the season. Um, it's going to show, depending on, on what, who is fit and ready to go after the international break. Um, you know, I, I don't know if Mourinho is going to, you know, sit Gareth Bale or, or, or if, if, um, you know, Guardiola is going to sit Phil Foden. Who knows? But um, this could really dictate um, the tempo for the rest of the year. I think that Tottenham will eventually be in, in top four. But I, I think City's defensive issues, despite having spent, what, what what is it, like 250 million euros or something like that, something absurd on defenders since Guardiola took over. I think it's like 400 mil. Yeah, it's it's something ridiculous. It, it's an ungodly amount. I, I I'd rather just have that money myself. But like, they still are so deficient and so prone to mental lapses. It, it's pretty incredible. And, and nothing against Ederson. He's he's an incredible goaltender. I, I'd say top three, four in the Premier League. But you know, you can't have four defenders that just break down at any given moment. Um, so I, I think that they're too prone to getting scored on. Um, with that said, obviously, they've got incredible weapons going forward. But, you know, everybody says that the best offense is the best defense um, or the best defense is the best offense, what, what have you. But, um, you know, I, I just don't think that City has it this year. And um, I think – I think Tottenham wears them down. I think they go, they draw two too. I think Mourinho kind of just out tactics um, Guardiola, and 
you know, quells uh, De Bruyne. And I think they walk away with one point. I'm pretty mm. happy about that result. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I agree with pretty much everything you just said. Um, basically, we're, what we're looking at is, first of all, it's the magic of Mourinho's second season with the team. Um, so we know there's going to be – they're going to exceed ex, all expectations. Uh, Kane and Son are the deadliest duo right now in the league. And between the two of them, they got 15 goals and 10 assists. Uh, Kane's role on the, the team is, is really interesting. It's, you know, we all know the goal scorer he is. And uh, he's, he's been given some credit in the past for his passing ability. Uh, but you're really seeing it now. Mourinho has him dropping back, receiving the ball, and distributing it. Uh, I mean, it's a, it's a big reason why he's first in the league in assist right now, which is wild. Um, but for me, I've in the past, I've also another person I've uh, I've kind of hated on. Uh, main, mainly just thought he was overrated, and that's because he was rated very highly. And I just thought that he was kind of a product of this Pochettino scheme that had everything filtering through him for him to just kind of load up on goals. And actually, it's not really that different now that the the team still filters through him but he's he's showing a different element of his game that I, I didn't really know he had that you know he's his passing ability is unbelievable so you know he deserves all the praise he's getting um and then when bale is finally matched fit which who knows when that will be i mean he's looked like he's about to throw up after 10 minutes a couple <laughs> times so uh we'll see but that that front three could potentially be the most dangerous in the league which says a lot because there's quite a few teams with a stacked front three. Um, and, and son is just, he's finally starting to get credit. He deserves, he's, he's deadly on the ball. And then yeah, for City, and, go ahead. Uh, and, and I think that Tottenham has so many weapons that they could deploy. I, I mean, they're, they're, they're a deceptively deep team um, that I, I think because of that depth that Mourinho has kind of silently built, I don't know um, if I agree with that. What, what's their depth? Well, I, I think Bergvine um, and then um, uh, Lucas I mean, Mora. Luke, uh, dude, Lucas Mora is, for all intents and purposes, uh, a super sub. Um, I mean, he he came on and almost single handedly beat uh, Ajax to go to the Champions League final two years ago. And yeah. last year under Mourinho, he had he he was rejuvenated. I mean, when he was brought in from PSG, um, he was under the impression that he was going to be thrown into the starting lineup every week by Pochettino, and he was mostly sitting on the bench. And when Mourinho came in last year, I guess he just kind of dug his vibe, and he was playing much more, many more minutes than he was under Pochettino. Yeah, well, I think if you ask any Tottenham fan, they know that he can have moments of brilliance and then very long stretches of just being like, not knowing that he's actually on the field. Um, so, you know, jury's out on him. You might be right, but I, I'm not buying it yet. He, he does, he does deserve credit for what he did against Ajax. That was just unbelievable. Uh, as for, as for city, I, I don't know. I, I think I kind of believe in them. I, I think they potentially, it's, it's still tough too early to say, but I think they might've fixed their defensive issues at least improved him uh, quite a bit. Um, you know, besides, I think, let me see. Well, they I haven't given up, they haven't given up more than a goal in any match since they got 
basically taken to the shed by Leicester on that 5-2. So in the past nine matches, they've the most they've given up in a, in a single match is one goal, which I think, you know, there's definitely some weak opponents in there. Um, what's been interesting is that their they're, they're attacking has actually lacked in, in a lot of those games, which is surprising. And I think that has to come with, I think they're missing David Silva a lot or a player to play that role. And Oh, sure, yeah. Phil Foden is supposed to be that guy, but he's not starting it. They're going, Guardiola's going, like, to me seems kind of uh, conservative. You know, having, um, I've seen like Gundogan start along, you know, R- Rodri is going to start and then you'd like to see Foden in there, but you get a Gundogan in there who's, you know, he's not a bad player, but he's, he's, he's bland and he's safe. Yeah, you know you're exactly what you're going to get. I, I mean, we saw that, or I saw that in the international break, and it was infuriating. But you know exactly what you're going to get. He may put up a goal every couple of matches, which is fine. Um, he's more of a, a, a tempo setter kind of player, but he is. I mean, he's not David Silva. Like, mm-hmm. there's yeah. there's no replacing David Silva, honestly. So I think Phil Foden's the best chance of them having that so i mean he's he's got a long way to go he's a young he's a kid but i mean he's he's he can be unbelievable and you know he needs those reps yeah and and you know for uh, over the international break i i I don't recall who they they played the last match but he had um one of the most ridiculous turn moves on the sideline i've ever seen um but yeah you you think about what happens in the international, the, the prior international break with him and Mesa Greenwood at the hotel, um, that immaturity, <laughs> does that kind of flood into his play? You know, no, you just bullshit. don't know. How, I, I don't know. I, I, I think that mentally some, some younger players, if they're given too much too quickly, which I think Phil Foden ha- has been, I, I think they start showing some cracks pretty pretty quickly like Deli Alley was. Uh I don't know about that. I think uh first of all, Phil Foden hasn't been given much at all. He barely played he's barely played in his entire city career. And uh Deli Alley is just a schmuck. Like he's he was always the most overrated. He had, he he showed some flash when he was young, but he was never a, a, a complete player. I he was can't compare those two. The skill level is just massive gap, and I don't know. All right, whatever, Trev. Whatever. <laughs> I mean, every single like every English player has some. You're right. Some, I'm wrong. Some sex scandal. Like it's not just him, right? <laughs> well, I mean, sure, but I, I, I think it's just also particularly in in these times. It's not even just a sex scandal. It's it's. You know the recognition of you're on your first international break. You're what eighteen? Sure, and, sure, sure. Hey, listen, I know where you're going but, with this. I know you, where you're going. But with it's this. COVID too. But it's okay, COVID. I get like, it. I get it. I get it. I get it. But he got his punishment for that, right? Like they, he got sent home. He missed some England call ups. He barely played for City. Like it, I don't think that has to do with him not playing right now. I think it's it's Guardiola playing conservative. Uh, for whatever reason, um, and he's going to have to. I don't think Foden should start this match because I think Tottenham, if if you have Foden and, and De Bruyne in there and then just Rodri on his own, 
Kane's going to eat it up. And um, so I expect someone like Gundogan starting again and, uh, you know, but I, I'm, I'm with you on, we got to move on to the next match, but I, I agree with you. I, I see a draw, uh, I don't know, two, two would be at least entertaining. We on to the next match. Uh, we got Manchester United versus West Brom. I don't think there's a ton to say here. I think some news just uh, I, for awareness is that they'll be without Shaw. Shaw pulled a hamstring. I think proje- uh, projection is missing up to four weeks. Uh, Lindelof might miss time. He played for – I guess he injured his back against Everton, uh, and then, but he managed to play for Sweden, and now they're saying that uh, he's having issues. So they might be without Lindelof. Maguire came back from international break, I guess, with a bruised foot. I don't know how serious that could possibly be, but there's fears that they're they're not going to have him. Um, I think ultimately Shaw's not a big deal because Tellez is going to fill in for him, and I think he's probably a better player. Actually, definitely a better, better player. Yeah, he's definitely a better player. Um, Tuan Zabi can come in and, and replace Lindelof. Again, he might arguably be a better player. And I, I don't know, but I think Maguire starts. There's always rumors that he's going to miss time, and he, he ends up making it. So uh, I think the, the defense will be fine. Uh, and I think United gets their first win at home this season, which is <laughs> embarrassing. And for all you listeners, if, if you're out there, um, Trev is a diehard uh, Red Devil fan. So, yeah. you know, this – is a big deal for him that they get their first home win. Um, so Bailey is, is, is out, right? Yeah. By no, no. Uh, he might be returning actually. You know, I, I would love to see him, you know, regardless of whether Ole says, Oh, I'm going to give him a shot, whatever. Just once he's fit, just put him in because if you put him through a couple practice sessions, he's going to get hurt. So let's yeah. see what he actually can do. Um, I have always thought since, since Mourinho bought him, I've always thought he was the most athletic defender, um, on the squad by far. Uh, but one of the more athletic defenders in the Premier League, he's always prone to some outlandish tackle that, <laughs> that will probably get him a red and make he'll you also, cringe. He'll also do stepovers in his own box. Like oh, yeah. He, uh, he will, yeah. he will, he will make you shit yourself just watching it. But, I mean, he, he undoubtedly has a lot of skill. I think he would strengthen the defense um, significantly, but he's never healthy. Yeah, um, he's never healthy. There's been multiple years without him. He's a freak athlete. Uh, I don't know. I'm, I've been waiting for him, and I, I don't expect anything. Uh, in fact, his last start was, was a good old Tottenham match, and we all uh, know how that went. <laughs> All right. So, what's your what's your prediction for this? Are you are you? Gonna... I, I think United takes it two one. I I still think that their defensive woes and and De Gea is not what he used to be. So you know he didn't even start um, against you know the unfortunate six zero routing of Germany. But you, I just despite West Brom having such issues in scoring, there's going to be some. I I think there's some some laps that'll happen All that. Right. We'll see. score, but I, I think United takes it 2-1. All right. All right, moving on. We got Fulham uh, versus Everton. You uh, you can start this one off. So, you know, Everton is it, – it, it, it's kind of a toss-up. Obviously, they're 
they're on the decline right now, but at the beginning of the season, obviously they were the massive surprise this season. Um, now it's more Aston Villa who are um, a bit more steady in their incline than, um, than Everton. Um, I think James is an interesting player. Um, obviously, Ancelotti loves him, uh, both uh, in having brought him to Real Madrid and then to Bayern on a two-year loan. I was never sold on James when he was with Bayern. I thought he uh, lacked physicality. I thought he was relatively slow, which kind of surprised me. Obviously, incredibly skilled with his left foot um, and effective, but I, I think that he came out came out of the gates just guns blazing, um, doing very well his first couple of matches in the Premier League. Gets injured. I think it was a groin injury, actually. Like, got punched in the nuts or something. Um, and then he uh, he just I, – I think he's going to struggle to adapt to the true physicality of, of the Premier League and the, and the speed. I think that Everton are a significantly better squad than they were um, the past couple of years. I think Angela is finally getting them on uh, the right path, um, you know, because of his my my love for Bayern and his experience there. I'm you know he's an incredible manager, but you know, he's he's very temperamental about the the squads in which he manages or for which he manages. I think the jury's still out whether he can kind of right the ship and, and actually lead them to playing legitimate European football. Yep. Um, but I, I think that they're on the right track. I think they've got a, the most well-rounded squad that they've, they've had and probably the most international players that they've, they've ever had. Yep. Um, so, I, I mean, this is going to be a comfortable win for them, I think, 4-0. With that said, you know, at the beginning of the season, I, I remember you and I talking about this. Fulham were just absolute dust. They were horrible. I think they made some some good moves at the end of the transfer window. I think they'll end up being okay. I, I, I mean, okay by by avoiding relegation. Okay. They're not going to be the absolute um, – dregs of the Premier League. Okay. But they're gonna be they're gonna be crushed. They, I think Everton takes this comfortably three three four nothing. Okay. Uh I can't argue with any of that. I mean I I, I think I, I mean Hamas has been tearing it up. He's he's what drives that team and uh you know I don't you know we can talk about season long view of this team. I think their starting 11 is fantastic on any given day. They just don't have the depth to keep up with yeah. the top teams. But, you know, they, they've already started to slide quite a bit. They've lost a few matches in a row. But I agree, they should, they should take care of uh, Fulham pretty easily. So uh, moving on yeah. to the next match, we got Sheffield versus, uh, versus West Ham. I have no idea what's happened to Sheffield, Sheffield <laughs> United. They, I, I just don't get it at all. They've scored four goals. They've conceded 14 when they were kind of a defensive juggernaut last year. Yeah. Uh, they have very little depth. Uh, they had very little depth last year. The second they started getting injuries, that's when they sort of kind of fell out of that top five range. And uh, I think I think they're just running out of steam, um, which, is, which is too bad. And I, I think West Ham's sneaky good. Uh, you know, they were very close to drawing with Liverpool. 
they conceded a goal in the 85th minute. Uh, they drew with City. They drew with Tottenham. They beat Leicester. Uh, you know, they lost to Everton, but that was when Everton was peak, you know, flying high. And uh, they lost to, uh, to Arsenal again uh, with an 85th minute goal. So, I mean, they're, they're, they're a very solid team. Uh, I, I think they're, they're going to be a, a tough team to play any given week. And I, I think they're just going to end up punishing Sheffield here. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think that West Ham, I think David Moyes is, is finally back in a place where he's comfortable. I thought it, maybe United was a bit too big of a club for him to, to handle. And I, I think, but he, I, I think he enjoyed the, the freedom of, of having a big wallet, um, which I, I also, I can't, you can't blame Moyes for anything that happened at United. That's, that's a whole other oh, can of worms, but yeah. That, that's fine. But I, I think that, you know, Everton was a perfect fit for him, obviously, because he was there for, what, eight years. Then, um, obviously, United, that was significantly less than eight years. Um, then goes to, I think, Sunderland. But he's been progressively going to – or successfully going to, to, to clubs that um, haven't necessarily loosened the purse strings. And I think he got used to having a bit of a wallet um, to, to make some moves to at least sustain, which is why Sunderland obviously didn't work out. Um, I think his first stint w- with West Ham, being able to keep them up was pretty miraculous. But then, you know, I, I think he's done a very good job in, in steadying the ship in his second stint. I think they're also a, a, a team that is kind of a battering ram. They'll give any team any week a test. They'll have those slip-ups where they're going to just get crushed because, you know, they're they're kind of a hodgepodge of, of players just tossed together. There's no rhyme or reason really why they're all together, really, in my opinion. But they have figured out a way to play teams hard, which is great. I also am a little disappointed in what's happened with Sheffield. I think that they uh, they were obviously the Cinderella sto- story of, of last year, and it was pretty cool to see. I think that they made some you know, fine moves in the summer. Obviously they needed to cover for losing Dean Henderson. Um, yep. got Aaron Ramsdale. And, and I think that he's a good keeper. Uh, they brought in Ethan Ampadu to, to shore up the defense. And I, I think he's very serviceable, but they just haven't been able to score. And Ryan Brewster. I thought that once Ryan Brewster made the move that he would kind of take off. And he, to this point, hasn't really done anything. Uh, yeah. It remains to be seen if he does. Obviously, He's still adjusting. He's still young, but it, I, I hope that they turn it around. I'm not, I'm not overly optimistic, but I hope they do. All right. So predictions, West Ham. I think West Ham takes a two-one. All right. All right. So the next one's pretty interesting. We got uh, we got Leeds versus Arsenal here. I, 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 this is this is a very interesting match for me. What do you what are your thoughts on this? I think Leeds takes it 3-2. We, we've, we've talked about this the past couple of weeks. I think Leeds is one of the biggest surprises this year. Obviously, they spent a lot during the transfer window. Um, but Did they? I, I thought they, they – I mean, they spent way more than they had in the past. I think they spent a little less than $100 million, But, they, I mean, they brought in quite a few players. 
they brought in Rodrigo. They brought in Robin Coke. They brought in. Um, I'm. No, that's all right. I'm forgetting about a couple others, but they they spent quite a bit of money. Mm-hmm. Um, they were about to bring in uh, Mikael Cuisance from Bayern before he failed his medical. Yeah. But um, I mean, they were making moves. I think that they've shown incredible grit um, throughout the first weeks. Uh, I mean, with the, their match against City, they they were pressing the entire game, and obviously yeah, it was that's, soft, that's, that's it was the sloppy, Bielsa way, right? Yeah, yeah. But you know, I I thought that I thought that they have really shown some heart. Um, I'm not saying that it's going to be able to last, but I think for right now, um, I think they they. They take Arsenal. I think Arsenal is still a team that lacks a true identity. I think that Arteta is pushing it into the in the right direction. Whether he's the right man for the job, I don't know. But I think that he's do, he's been doing a, a a better job than Unai Emery, and has has. Uh, I don't think based on points he has actually. Is that right? Yeah, I'm pretty sure they're pretty similar starts to the their careers at Arsenal. Regardless, I, I think that he, um, I think he's done a pretty good job since he took over. But okay. it, it just seems like they they'll play incredibly well one week and then so poorly the next. I mean, they too have defensive issues, um, and without Thomas Party, who I think was probably the steal of the transfer window, one of the steals of the yeah. transfer window. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, Leroy Sané being being one of the others, uh, <laughs> and, and Tiago. I, I just think that they have a lot to figure out, and coming off of an international break, I don't think that they will have, have done that leading into the weekend. So I think Leeds takes it 3-2. It's very interesting. I I like that. Uh, so this is kind of my thoughts on the match is that, you know, we have the, the Bielsa way, the pressing, uh, it, it, it can screw up teams. I think some teams just don't know how to handle it, but I think also some other teams have maybe figured it out. They, they've had sort of mixed results. If, if, uh, if I'm correct here, I think they, they got smoked by Palace. Mm-hmm. Leicester, and they only beat Fulham by one, and I personally don't think highly of Fulham. Um, but then, <laughs> but then they beat Villa, which I mean, Villa's been dominating plenty of teams. They beat them three nil. Yeah. Um, and then they lost to a fully healthy Liverpool by by one goal. I mean, that was that was mm-hmm. a way to start the season. That was unbelievable. Uh, yeah. So my thing too is, I, I just don't know what Leeds is. I, th- I think what happens is they're their tactics really can put, you know, uh, opposing managers' brains in a in a pretzel and, and can put a lot of players under pressure. So it definitely works sometimes. The thing with Arteta is that I think he's overrated. He gets uh, a ton of praise for every win, and then for every loss, I don't think he gets very much criticism. Um, and he kind of loses some silly matches, uh, ones that he really shouldn't be if he's, you know, the next hot shit in the street like he gets so much credit for being under Guardiola for so long I, I just don't get why that makes him so something special yeah but hey, this is a perfect and, time and, and, hold, hold on this this gives him a perfect time to prove himself because 
leads uh, with they beat you it's through their tactics and he's had the entire international break to just stare at this match know that this match is coming and plan for it and prepare and if Arsenal don't win this I mean again it's in Leeds so it's I don't know how much that matters without fans but I I think Arsenal should win this I I would be I wouldn't be shocked if they they found a way to lose just because Leeds can do that to a team but Arsenal really should win this especially if Arteta is as special as people want to say he is yeah and it, it, this kind of goes to our our discussion earlier about Guardiola I mean he is a product of Guardiola's system. He is the student of the master, so to speak. So does he kind of go the way of Guardiola where, you know, obviously not as successful domestically, but he can pull out some ridiculous results and really grind teams. But then when it, when push comes to shove, when he needs to win, win matches, can he win matches? And, I think that's part of the issue with with. I mean, it's been part of the issue for Arsenal for quite some time. But it, you know, it, it remains to be seen whether he can win the big matches and, and kind of bring Arsenal back to a place where they are a perennial Champions League contender yeah, or they, not contender participant. Yeah, they 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 have the talent. I don't I don't think there's that many excuses. The only excuse is their love for. Uh, David Luiz, like I don't get how that guy's still playing. Um, <laughs> it is incredible so how how he. I mean, I think Sergio Ramos probably has the the most red cards, but David Luiz <laughs> has to have given away the most penalties in the history of football. And he, I mean, there, yeah. there there was a game this year where he literally passed the ball back or or gave up the ball, leading to a goal. Then the next sequence tackles a guy in the box for a penalty yeah he had just come on it's like and then the next week he gets a contract extension i don't yep. understand how it happens yeah but good for him i guess all right so you're going with leads i got arsenal next match yep. which i think uh in any other situation would would be the match of the week uh liverpool versus leicester and the the obvious headlines are what is going on with Liverpool? What is going on with all these injuries? Why do they yeah. not have a back line anymore? Um, and, you know, just just the cherry on top, Salah's got COVID. Given all that, what, what's, your, what's your take on this match? So um, this was, my prediction was made um, excluding the news about Salah. Um, I just don't know who's going to start in the back line. I, I would assume that they're going to toss Milner back there, um, maybe move Fabinho back. Um, I don't even I don't even know if Matip is is healthy. I think at this I, point, I, if you're just, on the Liverpool squad, it's a fifty fifty chance that you're yeah, healthy or not. I I have no idea, um, but I, I think they're going to have very serious issues in the back against a team that I mean. Jamie Vardy can can wrap He's going to tear off. them apart. He's going to tear exactly, them apart. exactly. I, I mean, he just loves finding seams behind defenses, and you know, I don't think Milner is going to be keeping up with him or Fabinho. So I, I just don't know who is going to line up um, in the back. Um, I think from from 
uh, a front standpoint, Firmino is has been such a stalwart for their offense, but he's not really producing right now. I mean, he hasn't scored in forever. Obviously, yeah. I wonder. I wonder if he takes back. He kind of played like this number ten role uh, the last match because they wanted to get yeah. all four of those attackers in there, and uh, Jota played up top. I wonder if Firmino moves back up top, Jota on the right to fill in for Salah. But yeah, I'm sure. I I just I, there's a lot of moves there for a single match against uh, a, a potentially top four team. It, that's yeah. tough to do when they're yeah. coming back full strength. And I don't so think they're going to have th- Thiago either. Yeah, and no, he's not going to be back. So I, I think that that Lester takes it three two. I think that Mane whips out some ridiculous goals for himself. Maybe Jota, but Lester takes it. Probably a late goal from Liverpool on that. Yeah, I I think Leicester's got this. I think, and I, it it's got a wide range, right? I I expected to get ugly quickly uh, for Liverpool. It might be the the inner hatred for them, but I just the, I think Vardy could have done some serious damage, even if Van Dyke was and Gomez mm-hmm. were healthy. Um, now he's who knows who's going to try to stop him. Um, yeah. Exactly. If, if Klopp can find a way to get a result out of this, like a draw and maybe a miraculous win, then I just he he gets the crown as the greatest manager in the world right now because that'd just be <laughs> unbelievable. All right, um, we're both picking Leicester for that. So we've got two matches on Monday. Uh, let's get through these quickly and uh, move on to the next segment. So first, we got Burnley versus Crystal Palace. I don't have a lot to say about this except for. Burnley is awful, and Crystal Palace is just a strange team where they always play up to their opponents and down to their opponents. Uh, but yeah. I think they get an easy win here. Um, I, I, I I just want to see if Zaha can score against a, a shit team instead of all the good teams. Yeah, I agree. I, I think that um, Crystal Palace is kind of like the, the land of the, the lost or, or misfit toys. They... They should be okay. I think they're going to win two nothing. Burnley, as you said, is horrible. Um, but I, I think like eight eight of their first teamers are injured too. Yeah, I mean, it, I don't know. It, Sean Dyche might must be just like hating his absolute life. But it, it, it's, I feel like Crystal Palace could make a legitimate push this year, sneak into the last. Um, Europa League spot. I, I I think that they that Roy Hodgson is has silently built like a pretty strong squad, and now they have legitimate strikers. They don't. I mean, obviously they've still got Benteke, who I I don't know if he's scored in the past four years. Who the fuck knows? But he's a big presence. But then they've got Batshuayi coming in, and, and I I think he's starting. Um, but they've also got Jordan Ayew. They've got Zaha cutting in from the side. I mean, I think that they've, they've been got playing, uh, I think they've been playing Zaha and Ayew up top, too, just like as yeah. a strike pair sometimes. I, I think that they've got legitimate talent on this team. And, you know, not that it's uh, a like-for-like, like, but obviously uh, United having um, bought Juan Bissaka from Palace, they had a gaping hole on the right. They bring in Nathaniel Klein, 
obviously he's injury prone, but you know, at one point he was the hot topic of, of uh, Premier League uh, for, for transfer target. I think it was a relatively big move to Liverpool, did fine his first year, always injured after that. And can he reclaim, it, re, refine some of his form? I, it, it remains to be seen. But I think they're relatively steady in the back. I think that they grind teams down and play pretty good, you know, counterattacking football. And I, I think that I think they have a legitimate chance to be that that middle of the wrong team that that makes a push. Yep. All right, we're both taking Palace for this game. Yep. Okay. Cool. Moving on, uh, final match of the week, we got Wolves versus Southampton. Uh, this one's pretty interesting. Wolves have been pretty disappointing, uh, at least versus their last year's standard. Um, I, I'm i not really sure how this explains it. Like, you know, it's, I think a lazy excuse might say they lose uh, Jota, but honestly, he wasn't even a big contributor for them last year. I think he only had something like six or seven goals. So it's not like they relied on him. And uh, I, I'm just not sure what it, what exactly it is, uh, why they've had such a slow start. It might just be, I think the whole season has been strange already. The season's pretty drunk. It's I think it's exhaustion. Um, so, you know, yeah. I think that's going to be a, the theme of the season. I think that's why it's a little bit more unpredictable than normal. But Southampton has been, they're, to me, they're always a pesky team. Uh, whether they're realistic to compete for anything is another topic, but I think on any given day in recent seasons, they, they can step up and, and give the top teams a hard time. I think they actually have a pretty solid team now. And uh, to start the season, you can see that what Danny Ings put together last year might not be a fluke. I mean, he's already got five goals this season. And I know we had a conversation when, the season started the the first England call ups, where uh, you know, obviously we were we were a little bit fired up by Grealish being left out, and for some reason Southgate included five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten center defensive mids, one of them being yeah. Ward Prowse, uh, and I hadn't given him much much uh, much of my attention, and I, I've tried to pay attention to him a little bit more this year, and he's a solid player. Like he's, he's, I can't, I, I looked it up earlier, what his tackle rate is, but it's, I think it's like two tackles a game. And um, he's, he's very solid on the ball. And then obviously he's, he's starting to get noticed because of his free kick ability. Um, but he's a quality player. And I, I think the team all around is pretty solid. I, I, I don't think they're going to push realistically for European football this year, but they've come out hot. Uh, I think they're sitting fourth in the table. Uh, I think they they put the boots to the wolves today or this week. So I I agree. I, I think that um, it's almost like a kind of a World Cup hangover for for wolves. I, I mean, it, essentially, they're playing with the entire Portuguese national team, save <laughs> Ronaldo, and and obviously they've got Troy and um, and Jimenez uh, up front. But you know, I, I think. I think Wolves were particularly surprised in the past, what was it, two years. Um, Southampton, if we had this conversation, at this time, any of the last three years, I would have said Southampton is getting relegated. That, like they're, 
they are so deficient in so many areas. There's no way they're staying up. And you, I would have said that at the beginning of this season as well. I, I think I personally thought that Danny Ings was a flash in the pan last year, yep. um, much like a Charlie Austin kind of a situation. But, you know, he, he's proving to be the real deal. And I think that's why Liverpool at bottom, whatever it was, five years ago, um, unfortunately had severe injury problems. And so he can never, you know, really showcase what he had. Obviously, they moved on from a transfer perspective and really started to build um, and stockpile behind him. So it, once he was able to, to play, he, he never got the chance. Um, I think he's legitimate. I think, it, I think the, the players have bought into um, what Southampton are and what they're trying to do. And I, I think they're, again, a, a very gritty team. I think Nathan Redmond is another player who probably could have moved on a couple of years ago has gotten, a, I think, a couple of England caps under him. And, you know, is, is, is a legitimate midfielder, a legitimate winger. And I think he bought into Southampton as a team and wanted to help turn the, turn the squad around. I, I know that that is different from a lot of players uh, in Southampton's past, whether it was under Pochettino, under Koeman, who moved on to – to mostly Tottenham and and actually Liverpool, but you know I think that I, I think that they're they're making big moves and I, I think that they are a tough team to play against and I think that they take this and I think it's a big wake up wake up call for Wolves um, and hopefully we'll see more of them out uh, after this. Yep, predictions are Southampton for both of us. All right, so. That is all the matches for the week before we move on to the next portion of the show. All I have to say is if you've, you've made it this far, which is a significant amount of time, um, if you like the podcast, uh, please give us a subscribe, a like, a follow, a download, a five-star rating. I don't know. Depending on what you're listening on, they all have different things, but any sort of support would go a long way. So. Uh, if you've made it this far, thank you already, and uh, hopefully, hopefully you'll you'll stick around. Uh, all right. So next portion that we're moving on to are the essentially our predictions. Uh, our predictions, based on what we know now from the start of the season, uh, who we think is going to finish top four, and who do we think is going to get relegated. To start, I think we should just do this in reverse order. I think we should go, you know build up the anticipation, right? So uh, let, let's start with relegated. Um, who, who are the three you got? I, Burnley, West Brom, and Sheffield United. I, I think Sheffield, unfortunately, is not going to be putting together. I think they're that the pieces to score that they have are too young in Ryan Brewster, namely. Um, I, I, it's unfortunate, but they're going down. I think West Brom just doesn't know how to score. They don't know where their goals are going to come from. They've got enough talent on the team, but I just think that they're they're just fledgling at this point. And mm-hmm. I think Burnley, this is probably a, a long time coming where their their prospects have or or their their squad has been depleted to a point where they don't really have talent. They're just trying to tread water. I think they're down. Got it. Um, yeah, I. I uh... 
I don't know if this is – I agree with you. Uh, I got Burnley and West Brom, but the, the difference that I have is – it's probably a knee-jerk reaction because I haven't watched them enough, but the, the few times I've caught Fulham, I've just I, – I have not been impressed. It's been rel- relatively pathetic showing. So, you know, <laughs> I got Fulham disappointing and, and going down. Um, I think Sheffield – again, maybe I'm, it's maybe it's recency bias, maybe – Maybe I'm just hanging too much on last season, but I think, I think if they can somewhat put it together, pull it together, get their defense right, which is what they hung their hat on last year, and they could beat, you know, a few of the bottom third teams, and that would be enough to to get out of that relegation zone. And I think there's going to be a pretty big gap between the bottom three and the fourth from the bottom. Um, yeah. So, you know, well. Well, really like the fifth from the run. So it's those four that we, we mentioned. And then I think Brighton is quite a bit better than, than those four teams. Uh, so I think they'll, I think there's going to be a gap in the table between the bottom four and the rest. All right. So yeah, now, I, yeah, I agree. Okay. Now let's do the, uh, the, the top four. Let's start with number four. Who do you have? So I'm going to go City as my fourth. Okay. I, I think uh, they've got enough struggles that they're going to weather the storm, but they're not going to they're not going to wow anybody. They're not going to overpower people like they or overpower teams like they had in, in past years. I think um, any given every every any given Saturday or Sunday they're going to have um, their offense working, but their defense isn't, and vice versa. Okay. Do you want me to give my number four, or do you want to go through your list and then we'll do my list? I'll go through my list and then okay. then you respond. So yep. I think it goes uh, City, Leicester, Tottenham, and I think Chelsea takes it. Wow. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Wait. So explain explain three, two, and one. Just give um, give us the bullet points. So I think that Leicester is just kind of your steady Eddie top six team. Um, I think that they're, they're, I mean, Vardy, I don't know that has missed a game in, in, in years. He's missed I, one I th- this year. Yeah. It's a, so I, I think he's just, I think they're incredibly consistent as a team. I think Brennan Rogers found his niche. I think um, they can kind of just, weather the storm and they win all the games that they need to. They play hard in the games that, um, that are probably up in the air. They'll take a couple of them like this Liverpool match. They'll probably take, mm-hmm. um, but I think that they're not going to be able to uh, be able to overtake um, Tottenham or, or Chelsea. Yeah. And I think that Liverpool's injury issues, particularly in the back are going to play, uh, become a huge issue down the road, unless they make massive changes um, in the the January window. Yep. Then with Tottenham, I think this is kind of like Mourinho, <laughs> Mourinho's year two yep. Yep. kind of situation. I, I think he's gotten the majority of the players that he wants in. I thought Hoiberg was an interesting signing, but I, I think that he's finally got the team running as he would more or less like. I mean, I think that he he 
they start really putting things together, um, I think they take second. Uh, and then Chelsea, I think, again, bringing Mendy in, um, I think that their defense settles down. I personally would take out Thiago Silva, put in Antonio Rudiger, but their offense is it's going to be prolific. So I, I think they take it. Okay, so just a reminder, you got Chelsea at one, Tottenham at two. Mm-hmm. Who is at three? Leicester at three, City at four. Where would you? Where do you think Liverpool finishes? Uh, five, and I think United takes six. Okay. All right, so my number four is Tottenham. Uh, second season, Mourinho effects, big reason why. Kane and Son are on fire. Um, Bale could potentially make that even spicier. Um, yeah, I, I think, I, I, and also I, I think there's a, a range of outcomes here for Tottenham. Tottenham's an interesting team. I think, I say they're a Kane injury away from finishing sixth or seventh, but they're also, if they can find a way to get to the top of the table sometime mid-season, Mourinho knows how to grind out a season and just hold on to that position. He did it with Chelsea. Yeah. It, it, he did it with United. Yeah, well, didn't win the league, but yeah, got got that second Came spot. Came second, right? Not, uh, yeah. Um, so, I, yeah, I mean, there's a wide range of outcome for Tottenham. I, I like him at four. Liverpool, I have Liverpool at three, which a lot of it has to do on uh, with their injuries. It's actually super interesting. I think we can talk about it more in a future episode, but there's a theory flying around that they're basically having all these injuries because they're cycling out of basically it's, I guess it's, it's relatively well known that these teams, they just soup up their players with tons of caffeine um, <laughs> and just continue to give more caffeine and more caffeine. And I mean, they've two back-to-back long seasons with champions, champions league runs well, three really in a row with primarily the same squad. And if this caffeine thing's for real, their buys are just breaking down. I think it's a little bit too ca- uh, convenient of a narrative, but it's interesting to, to read about. Um, we can talk about it in a future future pod. Um, it, it's not just Liverpool that does this, obviously. Um, but it is bizarre that all these injuries are happening right around the same time. So, yeah, I have Tottenham mm-hmm. at four, Liverpool three. I have Leicester at two, uh, you know, they're they don't have a lot of depth, um, but they've already got huge wins over City, Arsenal, and then if this weekend goes their way against Liverpool, and those are huge wins to already have under your belt this early in the season. So I, I, I believe in them. They're not the same Leicester that won the league. They're not just a sit back counter attacking team that relies on Vardy. They can build it up. Um, James Madison, you know, the start of last season was was fantastic. Just sort of fell off towards the end. Um, I, I think there's some injuries involved with that, but I, I think they have a, a quality team overall. And I, I think they, they, because of the wins they already have that they're going to, they're going to be up there for the whole season. And I have city up top as number one. I think their defense is improved. And if it is just the slightest bit, their offense will get clicking. They'll figure it out. And their biggest advantage is depth. And I think that's the story of the season is there's it, everyone's just, running on fumes so if you have a deep squad which it's not as deep as it used to be but it's still pretty deep and i think that's gonna really it's gonna drag them over the finish line in my opinion yeah i i can't really argue with any of that i you know 
it'll be interesting to see what happens with the rest of the season. It's going to be an exciting one, so looking forward to it. Yep, yep. And I would say that the only thing for me is I think as far as talent with a starting 11, United on paper could be considered <laughs> the best. Time. Yeah, could, could, could be the best team in the league, but they just have no signs of consistency. If they magically put it together uh, as far as being consistent, then, I mean, they're going to they're gonna compete for the top four. I don't know about league, but top four for sure. Um, I but, mean, as you listeners will, will soon find out, uh, we have the biggest, collectively have the biggest love-hate relationship with Anthony, Anthony Martial of all time. <laughs> God, no. uh, we can't get started right now. We can't get yeah. started right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. The, the, you, yeah, you'll see that coming. Uh, so anyways, all right, last topic. Uh, we just wanted to touch on some U.S. men's national team. We're, we're coming off of a sort of international break. They played two matches, uh, one against Wales, you know, a, a backup squad Wales, and uh, against Panama. Um, and it was, I guess, in, in theory, it was just European-based uh, U.S. player. So, um, yeah, let's let's chat about the two matches. Uh, Bones, this is your your area of expertise. Let, let, why don't you take it away? Yeah. So, it, just starting with player selection. Uh, you know, there's the jury's still out on Burhalter. I think that he at the time was a good selection because one, um, obviously, he was a U.S. men's national team player. Played a couple World Cups played overseas. So I was like, yes, this is incredible. Um, I'm just hoping that he'll um, be on the upper, other side of the spectrum to Bruce Arena where he's selecting more European-based players because I, I personally believe that it's, it's definitive. Um, if you're playing Europe in a respectable league, you're better than, than players in the MLS. It, it may change over time, but that's just the way – that I, I see it, and I think many others do. With that said, I think that he's had a lot of interesting selections. By and large, I'd say that I, I agreed with his roster selections. However, I have no idea. So he originally selected Josh Sargent. Verde Brevin would not release him to go on international duty due to COVID restrictions. I have no idea why he selected Sebastian Legette as a domestic, ba- a domestically based player to go to a foreign based international camp. Like you know exactly what you're get going, going to get from him. He played him as a false nine the first match, didn't work. I don't understand it. I think that they should have gone with a couple other players. We'll move on to that in a, in a second. Um, secondly. Tim Ream, your favorite Fulham. I, I think that it's ridiculous to continuously call him in. I understand the, the effect of bringing in a, uh, a veteran to have that, you know, that, that veteran oversight, that, that veteran appeal, trying to make a cohesive group, but he's going to be 34 the next World Cup cycle. Um, there's no point to bring him in because he's slow. The defense, regardless of whether he's in or not, isn't particularly good. 
I, I just feel like they should be hanging the captain's armband off to one of their younger stars, whether it's Pulisic, McKenney, Adams, give it to Stefan. I think they need to send a clear message that this is their team and let's start building that relationship. I mean, Tim Ream has never played in a World Cup. He's never, I think he played in a Gold Cup, but uh, let's move on from this. Separately, a couple players that I thought probably should have gotten um, pulled in. I think Haji Wright, he's been, he'd struggled in, um, in Germany with Schalke for a couple years. Uh, went to VVV Venlo um, in the Netherlands, didn't do so great, has been gangbusters in the Danish league. And I think he was probably deserving of a, of a call-up. Um, another player, um, Eric Palmer-Brown, play, playing for Ostravin, um, you know, with the defense looking as it does, I think our center back spots are very much up for grabs, whether – you know, like a, a Chris Richards will take that over, will take a right back spot. Who knows? Um, but I think he would have been worth the call up. Um, Chris Durkin as a defensive midfielder, I thought would have been nice. He's playing in, in Belgium, young 20 year old, uh, very heralded. I thought he was deserving of a call up. Emmanuel Sabi was a big miss, I think. So he's a winger, plays in the Danish Super League has been playing at a high level the past couple of years. He's got dual citizenship. So obviously the playing in friendlies doesn't really matter from a cap time perspective, but just to get him into the group, I mean, he's, he's done well, uh, both, uh, in, in, it, it, he's done well in production, both from assists and goals. It just seems like He's a guy to give give a nod to. He's played for the U twenties, U twenty threes. Yeah. Um, it's one good point is like, yeah, they're not going to get the caps, but they're. You saw with uh Musa, I mean, just getting into that that group and them making them feel like they're home. I mean, there's just so yeah. many pictures leaked of uh, or like posted on social media of you know Tyler Adams, Weston McKinney, and. And Musa, you know, smiling and laughing, and oh yeah, you, know, you got to create those relationships and and get them convinced that they need to play for the U.S. Exactly, and it, just a, a couple more. Uh, I thought Matt Olasunde, former United youth, uh, got a call, a couple of call ups under Mourinho for first uh, first team day squad, never got in, but I think he uh, he's playing in the championship championship now. I think he is probably one to look out for in the future. I think he gives a lot of depth at right back spot, particularly if DeAndre Yedlin's out of the rotation and uh, Serginio Dest has to play on the left and Reggie Cannon on the right. We need a little bit more depth. Maybe Shaq Moore is that. Maybe Matt Matt Olasunri is that. Who knows? I but that that I'll. I'll talk about that in a second, uh, particularly in re- relation to any Anthony Robinson. Um, the last person I'm going to talk about is uh, Faller and Balagoon. Arsenal youth, super highly regarded, um, dual dual citizen, England, U.S. I'd love to know if Greg has reached out to him or Ernie or or whomever. I, I just feel like 
he could be um, a great addition because right now the number nine spot is wide open. I don't think that Josh Sargent is locked down by right. any stretch of the uh, stretch of the imagination. Nor is Aaron Johansson. The best in the group right now is is Josie Aldor, and I, I just you can't rely on him. He is constantly hurt. Separately, I, I think Aaron Johansson is has produced tremendously for Hammerby, but. You know, it doesn't seem like he's going to be in the in the in the mix. At I think he's 29 now. So, yeah, you know, we like just got to lock somebody down for a true number nine um, with a little backup, and I I think he could be a legitimate option. I and I think a couple of players I just want to point out. I would have loved to see play a little bit more. Um, Ethan Horvath needed to get a needed to get reps in, in goal. Uh, I think he. Played incredibly well for Brugge in um, in the Champions League. He's in a similar spot as Zach Steffen. He's, he's playing second fiddle. Obviously, Steffen in uh, in a much bigger squad. But I think Ethan Horvath proved that he should be in a squad. Should get get some reps. I think he should have gotten more reps in this in this camp. I think Anthony Robinson probably should have gotten more reps. Uh, obviously, the jury's still out, but. If we're really going to look at him as a legitimate left back option, which has been a serious issue for years, we got to give him more time on the left. Um, and then lastly, Sebastian Soto, for the same reason as looking at Fowler and Bulligan, we just need a true number nine. Obviously, he's playing for Telstar, second division in the Netherlands. He's going to have to move up um, through Norwich, obviously. Um, into a, a better loan deal to get more playing time at a higher level. But, you know, it, it would have been nice to see him starting rather than off the bench to see what he can really do. Yeah, I agree. I think they kind of wasted that uh, who's going to fill the number nine on the first match. They just wasted their time with that. But, oh, 100%. You know, 100%. Yeah, I, I think they, they've been setting themselves back a couple uh, years um, in how they've handled that situation recently. They've, you know, under Dave Sarakin, they brought in uh, Novakovic. They kept on going with Bobby Wood. Obviously, he's petered out. I think they, they need to do a lot of soul searching for that number nine. And whether it's kind of a number nine by committee where they're going with a bunch of wingers and, you know, way is up top or Sargent is up top and they, they are just very interchangeable. That remains to be seen, but they need to have a clear cut solution for that um, going into 2022, hopefully. And then obviously 2026. Yep. So based on the performance, uh, obviously the number nine has been the topic of conversation so far, but I mean, when I don't think there's too much to say except for when, when Pulisic is back uh, and he's going to be playing most likely on the left. Uh, Reyna on the right, I thought, didn't look great. First match, second match, uh, things were clicking a little bit more. He had a license to, to drift in the middle, and and uh, I thought he was fantastic. And then this, Which this, she has done for Dortmund as well. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and, then, and then this midfield three I'm so excited for. I mean, Tyler yeah. Adams... Tyler Adams is a beast. I mean, I think he's he's a little guy, right? Like he's, I don't mm-hmm. know, he's probably like five six, somewhere between five six and five eight. But I mean, he was actually just dropping bodies uh, when he was playing Panama. Um, it, it it was it was cool to see him. He's he's a true defensive midfielder. I, I was impressed by him. 
McKenney is just a workhorse all over the place. And uh, I think he's, you could see him really commanding the field and, and being a leader, which is fantastic considering how young he is. And, and, oh man, Eunice Musa is just a beast. The fact that he's 17 years old is shocking. He was better than I expected. I mean, I just, I couldn't, he, he was taking on people like it was nothing. He, he looked like a grown man out there and he's 17 years old and, uh, and it's just super exciting. And the, and the three of them gelled very well immediately, which is, is very surprising. So the midfield, I think, is set. If if Berhalter tries to squeeze some MLS scrub in there instead of starting those three, uh, he's got to get the got to get the boot. It, and 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 honestly, he he's been trying to mesh like Christian Roldan in there, and I am not high on Christian Roldan at all. You know, I I, I feel like um, I I feel like the only wrinkle into that is you might mix Richie Ledesma in there. I thought Richie Ledesma did did really well, and and, and certainly in a in a squad like PSV, that's um, I think probably going to they invested in their squad this year. Yeah, I think they're gonna. I I think they may make a, a legitimate push for the Air Divisi. Um, I you know they do have a great looking midfield. I'm excited to see what, what it looks like come, come tournament time. But I hope that Eunice stays the U S I, I think based on the youth of the team and his ability to, to really make an impact uh, right away. I, I think that's probably the biggest selling point. Yep. But I, you know, it, it remains to be seen. Um, yep. I also like to call out uh, Serginio Des. I, I think that, He's made huge strides. Um, he was unbelievable. And I, 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 and I love his versatility, um, and I think he, he could be a true uh, leader of squad, um, certainly of the defense um, in, in the coming years. Yeah, I think that he just is a commanding force. Obviously, he's played for two massive clubs, but obviously his, his skill level is is above any other right or left back that we've had in, yep. in recent years. So, yep. so absolutely love it. Yep. All right. Great. I think that covers everything we wanted to talk about with the U S men's national team. I think we need to wrap it up. I think this is, uh, this I, is I an would, ambitious long, long, uh, first episode, but you know, I would re- be remiss if I, if I did not mention this, having gone through all the internationals, um, I'm a huge Germany fan. They obviously just got absolutely spanked by Spain. I'm a huge proponent for Yogi Lowe or or just the DFB bring back Boateng, Hummels, and Tomas Muller. They were just completely lifeless. It was embarrassing. You were texting me throughout the entire thing. <laughs> I was embarrassed to even respond. <laughs> I, uh, I I I cried myself to sleep. But um, but legitimately, I I can't wait for tournament football to come back. Obviously, love the Euros, um, love the Gold Cup for for what it's worth. Um, I I ultimately think that um, France or Belgium are probably going to take the Euros, but we'll probably get into that in another segment. Um, regardless, either. <laughs> Yogi Love got it has to get fired or the trio has to come back. But with that, 
back to you, Trev. All right. So that's it for episode one. Way longer than I expected. Uh, I think that's just how it goes when you're, you're starting one of these things. So if you stuck around, very impressive. Thank you very much. Uh, please give us a subscribe, like, uh, download, whatever, five-star review, whatever, whatever you can do goes a long way for us. And, uh, we promise that we'll work on cutting this down because we got carried away there, but it's, it's been fun bones. You'll hear from us. I think, uh, yeah, plan is the next post will be Tuesday. So, uh, thanks a lot, everyone. See ya.